you've worked with so many icons. So I want to bring up some names and you just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Chadwick Boseman. Oh, resilience. Uh, he knew I had uh, been hired as the designer for Black Panther for weeks, and I thought I was holding that information from him. And then I said to him one day on set, because I did Thurgood Marshall with him, mm. and I said, I'm the costume designer. And he was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so I thought, like, oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, resilience, I mm. think, yeah, and what he went through and how he held his uh you know, it, it too close to his breasts and not really in, involved a lot of people in his personal struggle and the, how resilient that was. Yeah. How about John Singleton? Uh, my brother, mm -hmm. family, and unconditional uh, acceptance. Yeah. Angela Bassett. My girl Angie, um, I would say utmost talent. I'm such a fan, and I'm always so curious how people are. So to hear this, it's like, wow. Mm -hmm. Knows what she's doing. Utmost talent, you know, to the point where she's actually a real human being because she knows her talent. Mm. So she knows herself so well. She knows how to, you know, get into character and how not to be in character. And so you can actually sit with her, and it's not weird. You're yeah. just having a cool conversation with a girlfriend. And then she gets up and goes on set and you're like, wow, the most powerful woman in this nation. Have I not given you everything? Yes. And I'm like, yes. Yes, yes. You also said that her measurements haven't changed in 25 years. No, because she's uh, she you know, this is her craft. Her 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 body wow. is her is her vessel. Mm -hmm. So she's very much attuned. That's so amazing. Yeah. How about Spike Lee? Um, One thing you mentor. Learned. Mentor. Because he believed in me um, w without having worked with me. I did my first film with mm -hmm. him, and it was his first studio film. So it was a break for him. It was a break for me. He was steadfast in that Ruth Carter is the costume designer, period, end of story. We're talking about school days. Okay? Yeah, school classic, days. Oh, I didn't say that. Yeah, school days. <laughs> He's the one who, you know, it seemed the that, you know, the passion of Spike Lee uh, uh, had an indelible impression on, you know, my approach in this industry. I think the respect and the um, artistic expression of a lot of his films, um, you know, is incomparable to any other kind of projects I, I've worked on. Not that they aren't as artistic in, in sure. their approach, but his is was very different and it was my breakthrough. Yeah. And so I have habits, I guess, that I learned from understanding the filmmaker's process. Yeah. And and, and that communication between the director and the costume designer. I love in your book how you talked about basically leaving your job, your theater job at that time, yeah. just to go work with Spike, no contracts, nothing, just on faith in your word. And you left and you went and worked with him. Yeah. I, I, I was committed mm -hmm. to this. And I, you know, I felt like I could trust what he said. Yeah. And I love that he gave you complicated directions to go <laughs> to his house on the subway. By the way, because I know Spike... Yeah, I totally, totally got that. A hundred percent. I giggled when mm -hmm. I saw it. I was like, oh, 
totally spiked. Yeah. Okay. How about Eddie Murphy? Ooh. Okay. So I used my uh, uh, utmost talent on Angela. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did. Oof. So I got to say, um, gifted. Gifted. Gifted human being. Yeah. We're going to say those two words. Gifted because human. he's very much a human being. Like. I might say something to him because, you know, we always he, he is a uh, a legend. He is yes. a Hollywood star. And, you know, we tend to coddle them and know that, you know, we want them to feel comfortable and be, at, yes. you know. Um, but it tends to you tend to walk on eggshells around um, Hollywood stars, yeah. you know, because you don't want to ruffle their feathers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then you say something to Eddie like, you know, you know, don't look at I have a, a pimple right here over my eye don't look at that and he's like happens to the best of us <laughs> it does it does I love hearing that I love that because they are such superstars yeah so. you're like oh wait I'm imperfect don't look he's like what are you talking about <laughs> that is so great how about Steven Spielberg ooh um um uh, uh I'm gonna I want to say a maverick ooh why is that? Because how, you know, uh, he started, you know, really knowing what he wanted to do uh, since he was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, but meeting him and seeing that he's willing to take chances and like what I did with him when Amistad mm -hmm. and I um, love the color purple. And you think he did West Side Story, mm -hmm. you know, Um I'm going to say Maverick. I like that. Mm -hmm. Ruth E. Carter, can we just talk about your accolades? Oh, okay. Do we have to? Yeah, but... Just a little bit. Right, just a right. little bit, okay? Okay, let's go. Two-time Academy Award winning costume designer. Mm -hmm. First black woman to win Two Oscars, mm. Costume Designers Guild's Career Achievement Award in 2019, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and earned Marvel Studios their first Academy Award. Mm. That's just some of the accolades. Because mm. if, if I read them all, we'd be here all day. That would be the entire interview. <laughs> yeah, it's Congratulations nice. Congratulations on such a remarkable, remarkable career. Thank you. It's really um, an honor to, have, to be sitting here and talking about my story and my mm -hmm. journey and people actually feeling inspired and, you know, having that sense of giving back, um, you know. And also it's just the awards themselves. It's, it's something that we aspire to and to have achieved them means that, you know, I did it. You know, I yes. did it. Yeah. But did you ever feel like that is something you really, really wanted? Because a lot of time you're such a creative, right? Mm -hmm. Here you are creating these beautiful visuals with all the costume designing that you do. Did you really want to win or were you just like, I'm doing it for the love. I enjoy what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm not really thinking about it. Or was that on your bucket list? Um, You don't think about it when you're trying to create 
uh, a world and mm. you have so many things in front of you that every day is an adventure. Every day is a new kind of like, you know, deadline. You know, we're all we're all approaching like a big deadline, but there are little ones in between. So you don't have time to think like, oh, this is my Oscar winning <laughs> costume design right here. <laughs> it's like, look, we have to get this done. We have to get it done in the amount of time that we have. Um, it's fortunate that we had a great team of artists working together, you know, on so many different levels. And you're on the journey of being, you know, authentic and being artistic and um, all having a common goal. Mm -hmm. So those little achievements towards that common goal along the way, you know, feel good. Um, But, uh, you know, the accolades that come afterwards are all their own. Is there one award that I don't know, holds dear to you that not saying that all the awards you don't love, but is there one in particular that you're just extremely proud of and you're just you're thankful for? Yeah. um, Anytime I get uh, some acknowledgement from um, organizations like the Boys and Girls Club of America, um, uh, just those Boston Arts Academy Um, where they named a school after, you know, department after me, um, Pencil Lewis College, you know, in Detroit, which is an HBCU just formed. They named a uh, wing after me. And so I feel like that when wow. they're when they're uh, really telling me that, you know, you've inspired me. Yeah. Those are the ones that I really feel very uh, honored to uh, to receive, as well as the Oscar. Of course, they're all very honorable, um, but those that are given back to the children, I think, are the ones that make me make my heart feel really warm. Oh, I love that! How did you get into costume designing? What attracted you to this world? I like the storytelling element of costume design. When I got to um, Hampton University, I was uh, actually a special education major, and I quickly. Um, fell back into the theater. I used to do all kinds of theatrical things growing up. And I loved the theater. And so it just drew me back in. And um, once I didn't make an audition for a play because I was trying to be an actress, Mm -hmm. trying to be in front of the the audience. Mm -hmm. And um, the professor asked me to do the costumes. And I started doing them and really found that I could explore all the characters in the play. I could create, you know, visual spectacle. You know, I could use a lot of the things that I used to do growing up that I love, like drawing and painting. I could create costume design, you know. So I investigated that profession and really saw that there was it contained all the parts of me and and I could really feel satisfied doing it. And that's when I feel like I realized that. I was going to go down this road. I feel like your journey really put costume designing on the map for mm, me. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize how important it is for a story, right? Yeah. To actually get, to develop someone's character. Yeah. It is so important yeah. for you. When did you realize, oh, I am a critical part of this story being told properly. Mm -hmm. I think also beginning as a performer on stage, I could actually relate to actors from the point of view of performance. Mm -hmm. So I knew that like if the hymn is coming out of the back of my dress, it doesn't feel good when I'm on stage. If the color that I'm wearing, I don't feel like illuminates what I'm feeling at the time, then that's, you know, so that experience in itself 
taught me how to relate to actors and give them a costume that they could uh, embody. Mm. And it supported their performance. So that a- aspect of what I do, I think, was developed that from being on stage. Oh, that makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. What would you say has been your biggest hurdle as far as breaking into the industry and being as successful as you are? Well, I didn't have to break in in the traditional sense of breaking into the industry. Mm. You know, I didn't move out here, you know, and walk Hollywood Boulevard with my portfolio. I um, worked with Spike Lee and Robert Townsend and Keenan and Ivory Wayans during the, you know, late 80s, early 90s at a time when um, independent film and black film was on the rise with them. Uh, And so I was fortunate that for 10, 12 years in a row, I bounced back and forth between New York and L.A. doing independent film and for them. And then when their films took off, I my career uh, elevated. So, you know, bit it's by amazing. bit. Yeah. And but how did they discover your work and your vision? I was uh, out in Los Angeles working kind of, you know, trying to work as a costume designer, but volunteering mostly. And I did a dance performance uh, mm-hmm. called A Night for Dancing. Spike came to the performance. Uh, he met me. He told me, hey, go get some film experience. You're just doing theater. Um, and I did. Uh, and I got it from going to a university and signing up to volunteer on a student project. See, that's the power. I, I always tell people, you never know what volunteering, interning, and just being in the right spaces and willing to offer help yeah. will take you. Mm. It is really important because I do feel like people remember that and they come back around and they're like, hey, I remember when you were a PA here or you were doing this. What are you doing now? Yeah, it makes an impression. And and um, I think at 40 Acres, it continued to be a place where they invited internships and they they invited learning and they invited, you know, people of color to come and, you know, join the 40 Acres and a Mule family. Still, to yeah, this very day. Still to this day. I mean, I know when Colin was working on the dock with Spike, yep. same thing. Same thing. I mean, still, he was still going to colleges and talking to students and mm-hmm. then students were interning and yeah. wanting to be there. I mean, it just, I love that. Yeah. I think that uh, Spike being a professor at NYU is a very natural progression. He was the professor for us, you know, the leader for us at 40 Acres back then. And uh, so it just seems really kind of cool that he still has this profound sense of, you know, teaching and education. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And he doesn't let up. No. You know, he has high expectations for his yeah. students yeah. and anyone who's really at 40 Acres of Mule. So yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing. What would you consider your breakthrough project? That moment you were like, you know what? It's going to work out. Mm, I believe it would have been Malcolm X. uh, You know, when we first started on that film, Spike said, you know, don't think about an Oscar. Just do a great job. And that kind of resonated with me. So we went on this journey of making sure that all the elements of the script of Malcolm X were like explored to the you know, degree that we felt it deserved. And, um, you know, that included, you know, having the best wardrobe and collecting. And it was an amazing um, project. And then to end it in, you know, Egypt and recreating Malcolm X's Hajj and being in the desert in Giza at the pyramids on a Spike Lee joint. 
I mean, come on. Yeah, it's a pretty great experience. And I think the experience itself uh, was profound, but then to be nominated afterwards for your and work. you were nominated in it. for an Oscar for mm-hmm. that. Uh-huh. And that was groundbreaking also because I was the first person of color to be nominated for an Oscar in costume design. You know, it's hard to say all those components. I sometimes feel like you can find out, you can find a first too. You could say, I was the first to brush my teeth in a room that was blue. <laughs> now, don't downplay it. Okay. Come on, Ruth. Don't I was the first it. to brush my teeth with one slipper on <laughs> back in 19, you know. But because I have to say so much when I say the first to be nominated for an Oscar of color in costume design. Mm-hmm. Then the first to win right. for costume design as a person of color. Mm-hmm. Then the first to hold two Oscars That's in right. any co- category. I mean, it's a tongue twister. But you did it. <laughs> I did it. And it's all yours. Where do you keep your awards? Where do you keep them? I have a, a shelf, the multiple shelves, because it's not only that, it's the Critics' Choice and the Costume Designers Guild. And I got a Mickey Mouse award and I got great stuff. Lots of awards Yeah, some nice, nice things on those shelves. In your book, The Art of Ruthie E. Carter, there you talk about working on the film Malcolm X Mm -hmm. and the research that you had to Mm -hmm. do to make sure that the costume designing is done appropriately. Mm -hmm. How hard was that research for you? Well, it's a sacrifice. It's a, you, you have to do so much um, uh, detail to that kind of work that it almost feels like you're not um, developing the visual art because you're trying to learn about the person first Mm. and to learn about the person, you have to do a lot of research and reading and, and in learning the period, there's so many details to the period of costume and the period of the clothes that it um, you know, just requires you kind of what they say about the jazz musicians. You have to go in the woodshed. Mm-hmm. You're in the woodshed for a long time. And then you emerge with this idea and this um, real confidence that you know how this should look. Mm-hmm. And you start putting the visuals together because you really know what you're looking at at this point. You know, when you've read the script, you've done some research. I went to the Department of Corrections. I had a writing campaign to see his files, uh, Malcolm X's files, while he was Malcolm Little incarcerated in Boston. Mm-hmm. And I'm always going back and forth to Massachusetts. I'm from Springfield, which is not that far away from Boston. It's an hour and a half drive. And so they gave me a day and, and time to meet at the Department of Corrections. Wow. In Boston, and I walked in, and there was his all of his files, a big, huge stack of uh, Manila folders on this woman's desk. I should remember her name, but I don't. Mm-hmm. And um, she just uh, directed me to a cubicle there where it was empty that I could sit there and like look through everything. And she uh, told me where the copy machine was and I went and just I didn't have time to sit there and read. It was it wasn't the library, you know. I was like right. in an office. And uh, so I Xeroxed everything. Just I just Amazing. spent all my time at the copy machine. Right. And that really was really wonderful because I saw these letters that he wrote. And wow. I saw booking photos and medical history. And I really felt like I was I had that I had the person right in front That's of right. me. And, and so it felt good to start to design his look having had that kind of sense of him. How hard is it for you to balance, obviously, historical aspects, right? Mm -hmm. Staying true to that and also 
bringing your vision into it? Yeah, I think that there's only two hours, two and a half hours in a, in a movie, sometimes more. Right. But it is an entertainment medium, and so that there are these aspects of you know uh, composition and and intent, like of the scene. How does it look? How does it make people feel? Mm. And you know what styling do we want to bring to it so that we evoke the period? One of my favorite. I have two favorites uh, in Malcolm X. I have many favorites. I shouldn't lie, but uh, two scenes that I really love are one when they're in the offices and you know they're working and all the Brothers have their um, their suit coats off, and it's all these white shirts with their sleeves rolled up, and they're having conversation. It's very hustle bustle, and they have their little skinny '60s ties on, <laughs> but it's really stark. It's very clean, and it really gives you the sense that this is the nation of Islam and the brothers who are working, you know, on different aspects of you know his speeches and the newspaper and all that good stuff. So, really, feel like the the styling of that scene had a the right tone tonality mm-hmm. to it. And then the other one that I really love is the uh, scene where um, he's now Ilhaj Malik al-Shabazz. He's coming back from Mecca. He's landed at LaGuardia to a plethora of reporters and, and just onlookers. And the camera pans the crowd. And you see so many aspects of, you know, character. It really does feel like a like a um, a costume designer's class when you look at that shot. You know what? I didn't even think of that. You as a costume designer, you're designing everybody. Everybody. Come Hold on. on. I think I You o- thought I was only doing like stars. certain people. Oh, like the no. superstars. See, that's like what happens only- when you become a person that's now like Ruth Carter, yes. two-time Oscar <laughs> nominated, uh, you know. Uh, oh my! Oh God! Yes, I love this. that's how I got the awards. <laughs> I didn't realize it's every single. I person. would be sitting here with the second person that would did part of the film if it were that. I, you know what? I always only because I feel like in our world we don't appreciate costume designing enough. Gotcha. We don't appreciate. We don't know enough. We don't know enough. Mm-hmm. The makeup department, mm-hmm. the hair department, all these departments that actually bring a film or television show to life, mm-hmm. we don't really glamorize, right? We only glamorize the stars in front of the camera. Yeah, just think if you didn't have makeup and hair and you were oh, going to no. be on. I couldn't do it. I couldn't be here today. <laughs> we would have to cancel. <laughs> cancel. Done. But so how hard is it for you when you are creating these visions? And it is like when you're talking about that scene and you have to just get everybody and get everybody dressed. Is that more tiresome for you when you do more of a crowd shot versus narrowing in? I have a big a team. Yeah, I have a big team. I'm not making the costumes either. I'm not sewing. I'm not. I'm the costume designer. I'm the department head. Right. I am the uh, HNIC. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's my job to delegate and to make sure everybody knows what the intention is as we build up towards that right. big day. And once we get to the big day, it's we are very clear because there's other departments that are working in tandem with us, Correct. getting that kind of scene done. So not only are we set up on those days, but hair and makeup is set up adjacent right. to us. And um, sometimes it's uh, stunts that's set up with us if it's a bunch of stunt people that are bringing in their their equipment that have to be already worked out how it how it uh, interfaces with their costume. So, you know, it's like game time on the day. Mm-hmm. So I, if I, I do do a lot of running around, I will admit, 
<laughs> but my dream is to sit back with my arms folded and watch it play out. Yes. <laughs> but when you're putting your team together, what would you say is the hardest part? You know, you obviously, you are in charge of it. Mm-hmm. When you are overseeing a big department, mm-hmm. what are some great things or attributes you look for into somebody? And what uh, are some red flags? Well, I I do look for the best people with the best knowledge in their areas. And um, because they only make my life easier. <laughs> right. And I also look for people who have an eye, an eye but you don't always get uh, a great organizer with a great eye. You know. Yep. But isn't that me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I look for the same qualities that I think that they look for in me in other mm-hmm. people because I need a strong team. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this case, with the, the wins, the Oscar wins, the nominee, all my films, I feel like I, I, there's sometimes people that don't make it, like they don't know the rules or they, mm, I don't know. There's some people that just, you know, don't make it. but. Right. You know. It's probably a lot of pressure, if I had to imagine. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. But it's one day at a time when you see it all edited and it's all out oh, in the movie yeah. theater. You think, how do they do that, right? Right. But yeah, we shot that over two weeks, that one scene. Right. <laughs> a long time. <laughs> you know, you've impacted the culture just through your creative visions. Which project would you say was your favorite to work on? Oh, boy, I keep going back to Malcolm X, but there also was Tina Turner because we had that great Tina Turner soundtrack and it was fun dressed in the 60s. And I was working with Angela Bassett for the first time, making her turning her into Tina Turner. But then there's Chadwick Boseman, who I had on Black Panther and he was wonderful. And, you know, it's hard to really say what the favorites are because every time I do a movie, I'm in a different place. You know, back in the mm. Spike Lee days at 40 Acres, I was just beginning my career and I was allowed to create and to build a team and to get it done. So Malcolm X became like this great accomplishment for me and a favorite. Absolutely. But then now, okay, I'm back in Hollywood and I'm, you know, working professional and I'm not maybe under the um, tutelage of a Spike Lee. I'm on my own and I'm still able to uh, accomplish things with John Singleton and yeah. do Baby Boy and Rosewood. And so I'm always changing. So the experiences are a combination of me and them. Mm. What do you want to do next? Like, where is this change going to take you? Is there a theme or a time period that you haven't done yet that you really would love to be a part of? Oh, I have favorites that I've seen. And I know somebody's going to come up with something that I haven't seen. But uh, the Harlem Renaissance, I would love to do something. I would really love to do a movie about Chicago in the 1920s because Mm. people always, when they think of the 20s, they think of the Harlem Renaissance because it was great. It was all the artists, you know? Right. And, but Chicago was a place where um, it just like changed the face of businesses and industry. So much happened Mm -hmm. uh, business-wise, even with, you know, the great migration and African 
African-Americans moving from the South to Chicago uh, during the 20s and 30s was, you know, massive. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to sort of get into the nitty gritty of all of that and what was going on with a great story. Oh, that sounds fun. Mm -hmm. Out of all of your creations, which one was the hardest? It could be it could be for different reasons, but you just yeah, because hard is relative, you know. Like the Correct. people you're working with could make it hard. Right. The subject matter could make it hard, and um, they're not easy. None of them are very, mm. you know. So what is the opposite of hard? Um, you know, enjoyable or great? Um, they were all great, and they were all hard. Mm. I like that. Was there one in particular that you didn't think? was going to turn out as great as it did. You're, oh. You're like, yeah. Well, I like how they turn out, whether or not the audience and the and the numbers come in. Sure. So I would say I loved Sparkle. I loved that film. I loved, like, the characterization and the music. And the I got to do, like, 60s singing groups and, you know, girl group. Yeah. So I think I like, I love Sparkle. And it doesn't get its just due. <laughs> You've worked with so many icons. So I want to bring up some names and you just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Chadwick Boseman. Oh, resilience. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knew I had uh, been hired as the designer for Black Panther for weeks. And I thought I was holding that information from him. And then I said to him one day on set, because I did Thurgood Marshall with him. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm the costume designer. And he was like, yeah, I know. So I thought, oh, okay. But uh, resilience, I think. Yeah. And what he went through and how he held his, uh, you know, it too close to his breast and not really involved a lot of people in his personal struggle and how resilient that was. Yeah. How about John Singleton? Uh, My brother, Mm -hmm. family and unconditional uh, acceptance. Yeah. Angela Bassett. My girl, Angie, um, I would say utmost talent. Wow. I'm such a fan and I'm always so curious how people are. So to hear this, it's like, wow. Mm -hmm. Knows what she's doing. Utmost talent, you know, to the point where she's actually a real human being because she knows her talent. Mm. So she knows herself so well. She knows how to, you know, get into character and how not to be in character. And so... You can actually sit with her and it's not weird. You're just having a cool conversation with a girlfriend. And then she gets up and goes on set and you're like, wow, the most powerful woman in this nation. Have I not given you everything? And I'm like, yes. Yes, yes. You also said that her measurements haven't changed in 25 years. No, because she's uh, she you know, this is her craft. Her 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 body is her is her vessel. Mm -hmm. So she's very much attuned. That's so amazing. Yeah. How about Spike Lee? Um, One thing you Mentor. Mentor. Because he believed in me um, without having worked with me. I did my first film with Mm -hmm. him and it was his first studio film. So it was a break for him. It was a break for me. He was steadfast in that Ruth Carter is the costume designer. Period. End of story. We're talking about school days. Okay? Yeah, school classic, days. Oh, I classic. didn't say that. Yeah, school days. 
he's the one who, you know, it seemed the that, you know, the passion of Spike Lee uh, uh, had an indelible impression on, you know, my approach in this industry. I think the respect and the... Um, artistic expression of a lot of his films, um, you know, is incomparable to any other kinds of projects I, I've worked on. Not that they aren't as artistic in, in sure. their approach, but his is was very different and it was my breakthrough. Yeah. And so I have habits, I guess, that I learned from understanding the filmmaker's process. Yeah. And and, and that communication between the director and the costume designer. I love in your book how you talked about basically leaving your job, your theater job at that time, yeah. just to go work with Spike, no contracts, nothing, just on faith in your word. And you left and you went and worked with him. Yeah. I, I was I committed mm -hmm. to this and I, you know, I felt like I could trust what he said. Yeah. And I love that he gave you complicated directions <laughs> to go to his house on the subway. By the way, because I know Spike, yeah, I totally, totally got that. 100%. <laughs> I giggled when mm -hmm. I saw I was like, oh, totally Spike. Yeah. Okay. How about Eddie Murphy? Ooh, okay. So I used my uh, uh, utmost talent on Angela. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you did. Oof. So I got to say, um, gifted. Gifted. Gifted human being, yeah. we're going to say those two words. Gifted because human. Because he's very much a human being. Like, I might say something to him because, you know, we always, he, he is a uh, a legend. He is yes. a Hollywood star. And, you know, we tend to coddle them and know that, you know, we want them to feel comfortable and be, at, yes. you know. Um, but it tends to, you tend to walk on eggshells around um, Hollywood stars, yeah. you know, because you don't want to ruffle their feathers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then you say something to Eddie, like, you know, you know, don't look at, the, I have a, a pimple right here over my eye. Don't look at that. And he's like, happens to the best of us. <laughs> it does. It does. I love hearing that. I love that because they are such superstars. Yeah. So. You're like, oh, wait. I'm imperfect. Don't look. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that is so great. How about Steven Spielberg? Ooh, um, um, uh, uh, I'm going to, I want to say a maverick. Ooh, why is that? Because how, you know, uh, he started, you know, really knowing what he wanted to do, uh, since he was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, but meeting him and seeing that he's willing to take chances and like what I did with him on Amistad mm -hmm. and I, um, love the color purple and you think he did West Side Story, mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm going to say Maverick. I like that. Mm -hmm. How do you approach making sure that the person, you know, you're designing for is comfortable in what they're wearing? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. have you ever had to be like, let me fix that. Let me yeah, adjust yeah. that. Oh, God, I'm doing that all the time. Mm. Yeah, I'm always adjusting. Like, I just think that it's hard being an actor in front of a camera all the time. Right. And you do want to sort of like settle into your character at some point and just not be totally this massive, I got to fix something about you all the time. So I really try, try to make them have a say. 
not to the point where everybody thinks like the whole big old blow up. Be like, I'm not wearing any purple. <laughs> no, just kind of like I would be more comfortable if I had this and right. sort of hearing them and working together before we get to camera. Right. So if I do um, instruct someone to adjust them, I'm doing it in a way where, OK, I'm done. You're good. Right. And I'm going to have my crew. Right. Watch over you. Right. Now, I might whisper something to them to go zip you up a little bit or right. whatever. Um, but you're confident because I could step back. Right. Mm. And you're 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 ready to go. I, I've given you the stamp of approval. Right. You know, after I go to the director and the producers oh and the my. lighting guy and the cinematographer and I look through the lens 45 times and, you know, inside I'm dying. Right. But. <laughs> You only see the cool person. Right, right. I loved when you were doing the 28 days of costume design on your Instagram. And oh, yeah. one of your posts, you were talking about Seinfeld. Oh, wow, yes. And you talked about how that all happened. So what exactly did you do for Seinfeld? And you shared a story about you meeting Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, for the first I went time. to his place. Um, so, yeah, I was working costume designer in Hollywood, mm -hmm. right? So I get the pilot for Seinfeld. So cool. Uh, it was right after I had done Malcolm X. So, you know, Hollywood was kind of opening the doors a little bit more. And so mm. I would do TV pilots. That was my in-between thing. Wow, so cool. Yeah. yeah. And I did that one with Jerry. I went to his apartment in Hollywood. And I just remember thinking, because, you know... I'm still like a struggling artist. I'm living in a studio apartment. <laughs> My mattress is on the floor. It was a cool looking apartment, even with the mattress on the floor. But <laughs> I'm in this guy's apartment and everything is so neat. And I remember thinking, wow, he's neat. <laughs> like, so not that great. he had a housekeeper, you know, sure. which he probably did, who was rolling his socks and like making every tie, like right. line up so straight in his closet and all of his beautiful uh, uh shirts all pressed and yeah. facing the same way. <laughs> I was like, wow, he is really neat. That is, and that experience was great, I'm assuming. Yeah, it was, it was. Um, uh, yeah, we gave, um, what's the character's name with the glasses? Um, His buddy. Uh, not jo George. George! It is George! Yeah, we Look put those me. George, those round glasses on George. And the prototype <laughs> were glasses from Malcolm X. Stop it. Yes, I brought them in because he was like, I think I should wear some glasses. And I was like, the only glasses I have are those wire rims that I brought in that <laughs> came from Malcolm X. You know, he has a scene in prison where he puts these wire rim glasses on. And those are the ones I had. Wow. And he put them on and he's like, yeah, I like this shape. Right. Bingo. Done. And so you just got some that were the same shape. Yeah, we got him, you know, fit for glasses, and that's when it started. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think that that actor, he may now wear glasses, but then I don't think, think he, he was, I don't think that was a clear lens. George his, Costanza, right? George I, Costanza. Look at me. What's the actor's name, too? Let that's me look bad. Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander. I knew that. <laughs> Jeez, I'm glad we're not playing like yeah, bingo or bingo. like what, what is Who that wants game? to be a millionaire? We'd lose. Yeah. I would definitely lose. You don't want me on your team. <laughs> I want to talk about do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Obviously iconic. You worked on that film, mm -hmm. Spike Lee joint. Okay, did you design the love hate rings that you know, Radio Rahim was wearing? 
Okay, so there's design is relative, but I do want to say about the love hate rings. It yeah. comes from another movie, like it's the name of the movie is on the tip of my tongue, but it was used. The love hate, yeah, was used as um, it was a monologue from another film. Got it. Right, and um, at the time, in uh, I guess that was the early nineties. These knuckle rings, which are yes. names on it, were popular. Yes. And it was written in the script by Spike that he would, you know, Spike wrote this monologue yeah. about love and hate. It's more poetic, I think, than from the film it, it hails from. But um, it is oh. actually kind of like a borrowed concept and it just really I think speaks to Spike's film knowledge and and you know and being inspired by yes. you know a moment in film and actually wanting it to be a part of you know this protest film that he wrote mm-hmm. um so it was befitting completely but he's the one who told me to go to Fulton Mall to a jewelry store and have them made and it was like it was a piece of cake I was like yeah I need love on one side hate on the other side gold knuckle rings here's his measurements you know we do a tracing of their hand and um, in a matter of a couple weeks I had them that is so cool. Yeah. That's amazing. I think Spike still has them. But now you can go online and, and you can order them, them. For sure. Yeah. I want to talk about Black Panther. What was your approach? Obviously, you won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Not trying to just hammer it home. But it's important. You yeah, won. It is important. You were celebrated for it. What was your approach when you were creating the costumes? Well, there are multiple approaches. Um there's an approach that you're um, the costume designer and there is a schedule of meetings and consultations and, you know, just, uh, you know, conversing uh, ideas with the director and the producers, everyone. Then there's the concept of gathering the information and the research. We had a roadmap, you know, of vision boards, you know, hundreds of them. Um, wow. And they're uh, on display throughout the office. The, uh, the walls are littered with um you know, tribes. We organize it in in different uh, factions, mm-hmm. right? Of the film, there's also a Wakandan Bible that's done by the production designer. In this case, Hannah Beekler did a, a Bible about Wakanda. Like, if you've never, you can talk about the concept of Wakanda, but what is it really? What does mm-hmm. it look like? How do they get around? How how do they work? What's the whole you know wow. thing? It's a forward thinking play. So, you know, what does that look like? And she has outlined everything. So when you're like casually taking a break and you're looking through Wakanda, the Wakandan Bible, you really get a sense of the the place mm-hmm. and and how you can you know, put your characters costumes in that mm-hmm. space. So we meet on those kinds of things all the time. Production is showing production design is showing you their uh, keyframes and things, um, and you're at the same time looking at the tribes of Africa. You're um, you're using a lot of the similar techniques to how like the Himba women soap this calfskin and ruffle the edges to make their garments. And you're employing some of the same techniques even um, to wow. have that authentic feel to some of the texture. Wow. And then you're masking a huge uh team of in-house craftspeople and artisans as well as going out to different companies to have things made Mm -hmm. that they're specializing in and they're doing it for a lot of movies and so you get in on their schedule and that's also that's also um, 
very important to the the success of um, going through this process because sometimes when things come out of these companies, we still have work to do with them. Right. So there's not only getting in their schedule, what their timeline is for for uh, returning and uh, delivering product. Uh, also uh, uh, becomes part of our timeline. So mm-hmm. I have a whole team that is focused on all of those things. When are we? When does it go in? When does it come out? Right. And what does it look like? Ultimately, yeah. So there's an R&D where we do prototypes, mm-hmm. oh, you know, wow. the panther skin, the top layer of the texture, how, 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 how raised is it? How smooth is it? How black is the black? You know, you'd be surprised. You want to put a little you know, shimmer in it. So it has a gloss to it. You know, there's a lot of uh, R&D that goes into these um, superhero films. What was your favorite costume in Black Panther or Black Panther Wakanda Forever? Oh, I, I can't help but love the Dora. The Dora, the Dora, the Dora. I mean, in the first film, you know, whenever you create something with a team mm-hmm. and it's successful, and everybody's standing around it. You know, when we finished the Dora costume in the first film, we didn't even have it on a mannequin. We had just taken it out of the box and laid it like flat on the table. And we were just all standing around it just like, wow. oh, and ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And so it just remains the favorite. And it's hard to mess with it because we we actually uh, did something different with the armor um, in Wakanda Forever. And it was good. It was fine. I, I love the texture of it. But, you know, if I you, you never have enough time. So there's a little right. tweak that I would make to it because it's a it's a beauty. It's a beauty, beauty in itself. Mm-hmm. How do you feel when, you know. Everybody was trying to wear it, whether it's for Halloween and everyone's just trying to duplicate. They're trying to replicate what you created, the vision that you put together. Does that give you a sense of, yeah, I did that or we did that? Because I know, you know. Yeah, well, I did that. We did that. We all we all have a very personal, um, you know, connection to it. But I think when I saw a girl at Comic-Con who um, we gave a first uh, prize to uh, when I was a judge. Mm -hmm. I was walking around with one of my team members who um, was instrumental in it turning out the way that it did. Um, We were to uh, give a prize to uh, someone who had the best costume, and we ran into this young lady. She couldn't have been more than 12 or 13, and she... It was so perfect in her costume as Adora Milaje, but when she talked about it, she talked about how her and her father put it all together, and she told me how they did the neck rings and how they made this. She knew every aspect of how it was built with her and her family, her father, and her mom was with her. And she was recording us talking. She was like, oh, my God, the costume designer is like talking to my daughter about this costume she made with my husband. So that family, like the 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 way that she connected really told me that this was a costume, that this was a story that people could pick apart and recreate on their own and have this moment yeah. together as a family. It just it just had all the elements of why you want something to actually impact another person. And it totally makes sense, especially 
hearing what matters so much to you when you, you know, the Boys and Girls Club and, and the giving back yeah, part really is so important for you. Do so it. to see it mm-hmm. come around like this full circle, I can see that moment being like, okay. Yeah. And I even, even, you know, older ages, you know, I meet people all the time that say, uh, you're the reason why. I'm studying fashion in school or Mm. you're the reason why I, you know, felt so good about staying with this project that I'm on, you know, and I'm the costume designer and that's my first time. So that is also part of it. It just it just reaches all. Mm -hmm. Was there any pressure for you to work on Marvel because it is superheroes and Mm -hmm. you're just like, okay, a lot of pressure? Yeah, I had never done a superhero film before and um, I... I, uh, Ryan saw uh, that, you know, I had something that he wanted for his film. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, him seeing that helped me understand my, why I was there and that oh. I could reach out to uh, uh, others who could come and join my team that were experts at making superhero costumes. And they were instrumental in guiding me um, through the artistic process. Wow, this is cool. Because you have an element, a technical element that has to be worked out by a person who is adept at pattern layouts Mm -hmm. on computers and and the like, you know, companies that need certain things from you. But the uh, support that I received from my team allowed me to just think of things from uh, an artistic point of view. So even if I were to receive the Panther suit from Adi Gradov on the first film, I could look at it and say, these are the elements that we will make in this type of uh, material. and there's such a, a multi-layered process to it. You really do have to understand like how things work together. Yeah. And in accomplishing the final the final result. Oh wow, that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of coordinating and just being yeah, on the same page. Yeah, it is. Page. You know, it's a masterclass for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now, with your work, it obviously reflects different cultures. How do you go about, you know, making sure that you're culturally sensitive and, you know, you're trying to be authentic with your designs and trying to be really mindful Mm -hmm. to capture the essence of whatever culture it is that you're bringing to life? Of course. Like, it's a big responsibility and I don't take it lightly. I always ask the historians. We had, you know, Mm. great historians on Wakanda Forever. And, you know, I just can't be uh, too proud to show them everything and hear the reaction, because sometimes the reaction is like, oh, shoot, like put that in the closet and don't let anybody see it <laughs> because we messed up. Right. But you can't be too proud. you got to be grateful that they caught it. Yes. And you're, you have the time to redirect yeah. and get it right. And sometimes it's the most simplest thing that you always you don't realize that you're just trying to, you know, Honor the culture, but you're doing too much. It looks like something else now. Right. Yeah. So you're kind of reminded to stay inside the right, you know, mode of who these people are. Right. And, you know, with with uh, African culture, you know, we were able to, you know, celebrate the artistry of beadwork and and woodwork and craftsmanship. And, you know, the Dora, their neck rings were dealt with like jewelry and we enhanced it with another necklace with it and made these layers um, that honored culture, but also moved it forward. Mm-hmm. 
And with uh, the Tola Kanil, we used the Mayan culture yes. as our inspiration right. because they were a part of the film. There's the historical right. anchor, and then there's this um, uh, world that went underwater and became this, mm-hmm. you know, pseudo uh, culture that was inspired by the Mayans. So, how much of that and their environment yes. do you put together and stay authentic and stay inspiring? And so, you know, we went to Tulum for the summer uh, for a few weeks and uh, we were on a tour and the tour guide, uh, they did not know it was me. Oh. And the tour guide said, did you see that movie Black Panther, Wakanda Forever? He said he went to the movie theater when it came out and the Mayans who uh, were there in the theater because the language is very complicated and they were speaking back at the at the screen you know like when you go to those movies and it's like with your community and everybody is like woo Uh, they were speaking back to the screen in Mayan he told us that story and I was sitting there like oh my god and he didn't tell them at all like no, I told him afterwards. <gasps> what did he say? when we got off the van, yeah. he was like, oh, wow. I don't really think he believed me because, like, <laughs> I don't, I, you know, it was hot. And, you know, you have, like, a bandana on and you're, like, sweaty yeah. and stuff. And, like, you know, there's crazy people out there. So I walk up to him and I'm like, yeah, I was the costume designer on Black Panther. He was like, okay. Sure. Yeah, sure. Sure, lady. Um, here's a, yeah. let's continue the tour. He was like, can you all stand over here, please? <laughs> so I think he sort of believed me because he was, um, wow. we asked him other questions. Yeah. And he was happy to. You know, yeah. answer. What happens to all of the costumes? Like, who gets to keep it? Do you keep any? Have you kept anything? Oh, God, it's so complicated. Okay. <laughs> Before people cared about costumes, I, as the creator of many costumes, was like, where are my children going yes. after school is closed? <laughs> and... They, my cl- my designs were saying to me, save us. We're going to mm. nowhere land. Yeah. And so I would, you know, ask and I would be granted, you know, certain pieces. So I have things from the butler and Roots, like, gave me everything. Amazing. And so I have an exhibition now of my work that travels around. And But, but now, now that there's more interest in costume exhibitions yes. and traveling exhibitions, uh, the studios now is like, oh, no, bring them back. Bring them back. We're going to no. we're going to archive them. That means they go in a dark room and no one ever sees them again. But in my exhibition, you get to see them. Some of them I recreated. Yeah. And I think that that's OK, because I was the person who created it, created it. Yeah. Right. And then some of them are real. Ooh, and right now it's in Detroit. It's in Detroit at the Wright Museum. Yes. Oh, this Charles is, Wright. And it's there until March of next year. Yes. So stop by and yeah. please look at it and enjoy it. Is there a particular piece that, you know, that we should be on the lookout for? That is the real thing. And, you know. Oh, well, look out for the goldfish shoes because that's always a fan favorite. Um, but the panther suit is in the exhibition. <gasps> the uh, Marvel, they they install every stop, every uh, museum we've been in. Um, we put in our request and they show up. And so you see Queen Ramonda. You see the Black Panther. You see Shuri's tribal look as well as um, Namor. 
this is amazing. Where is it going to go to next? I love that it's doing like you have your costumes going from city to city. Yeah. And I and do a lecture display. with yes. it and it comes with a tour. I do a VIP tour. I do the dog and pony show like, <laughs> oh, hey, it's me. But um, next is going to be Jamestown, Yorktown. I love this. Mm-hmm. Was this your idea for the costumes to just travel? It was. I looked up, as I said, because I had a storage and like um, Spike gave me a bunch of 70s stuff from Summer of Sam. And I was like, how am I going to what am I doing with all of this stuff? You know, <laughs> I don't just want it to sit in a dark room. Right. I want it to be a learning experience for people. So Mm -hmm. I have these dreams about putting in the exhibition like a 3D printer so people can come in and see something being made. Um, I have a dream of doing Shuri's lab, you know, science and technology, STEM, STEAM, and um, just really uh, making it more for the 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 museum goers right the experience the of experience it. of it oh i love this mm-hmm. idea this Thanks. is exciting thank you were you nervous to put your book out because you're sharing so much your sketches i know you're giving us real insight yes and there's a couple of illustrations in there i was like i, I thought i said i was gonna fix that one first <laughs> <laughs> can you tell us didn't which i one? say i was gonna fix that one <laughs> now it's in the book I can't tell you. Can't, okay, we're all. But you know what's so funny? Only you would be able to know this. For yeah, because us. it might inspire someone. So I don't want to ruin it. I know. <laughs> but what made you decide to do this, and how long did it take? Oh boy. Well, I was doing. I was writing that book while I was making the movie Wakanda Forever, which was something I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> Because it was my weekends and my evenings. That's right. And it was really hard to write when you write, so, okay, great, a stream of consciousness. I'm going to write this chapter tonight. Mm-hmm. And then you write it and you send it and you're like, done, check the box. Right. And then it comes back from the editor and you're like, can you explain this a little bit more? And I was thinking that this story could come, you know, sooner. Is that the way it happened? And you're like, what? I have to reread that? And write it again. <laughs> it was a process. Yeah. And I think that if I were to, which I do want to write another book, I'm just going to let that be the project. That you work on, nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And just really go through it. You know, I did very careful work on this book for sure. But um, to really experience it um, fully would be nice. Yeah. How hard was it to get the pictures in there, right? Well, you was know, licensing the, hard and how well, you really? know, I have a publisher and they take care of all that. So I like I, it. So if it was hard, you got to ask them. Right. Yeah. We just kind of came up with the book and your your vision. You're like, I need this. I need that. And then they make it happen. I don't say it like this. I need this and I need that. <laughs> I say, here are the uh, sketches right. that I like. Yeah. See what you can do. See what I you know, I'm going to use that. See what you could do. <laughs> <laughs> I like that approach better. Looking back on your career, what do you hope your legacy will be? Yeah, legacy is a pretty deep concept to think mm-hmm. about. And I've, I've changed it every time. Mm. And I say, okay, this legacy thing, you got to kind of step outside yourself and say, right. this person, Ruth Carter, she, she changed the... Uh, face of uh, how we are represented in film with costume design and storytelling. That's right. 
So sure. I think that's probably it. I always have to kind of feel like I'm looking at myself from another right. vantage point to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Because when you're still doing it, right. you feel like, oh, I'm going to do something next. What's next? Right. Yeah. What would you say was your biggest hurdle, you know, in your very long, successful career that you got over and you're really proud of? That could be inspirational oh, to somebody else. a million of those. <laughs> Hurdle after hurdle. Yeah. Oh, that I stopped doubting myself, maybe. That Mm. I think as an artist, you're always like, is it done? Is it finished? And I started to understand myself a little bit better as I started to see my work uh, or go back and look at my past work and say, oh, you know what? I really felt like there was something wrong with that, you know, when it came out in the movies. And I was like, oh, it was so hard on myself Mm -hmm. and saying, you know, you messed the whole movie up because (laughs) that scarf was turned around. And, you know, going back, I go, wow, I mean, it actually is kind of perfectly imperfect that part yeah and that's I think the hurdle and not that you're going to do less you're going to not pull back from you your desire to be excellent and you're just going to give yourself a little bit of latitude and when the camera rolls on it you're going I did my best and I need to you know move on and start prioritizing other things yeah Oh, yeah. The self-doubt is real. It's real. Ooh. Or just even not doubt as much as, you know, I can fix it. Oh, God. That, too. <laughs> and you'll fix everything. You keep fixing it till you mess it up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is a moment of in your career that brought you the most joy? And every time you think about this, it just takes you to a good place. Uh, I've had such great moments. Mm. Um, what a blessing to hear that. Yeah. Baba Mall coming to my fitting and having a great time and knowing, you know, how beloved he is in his country. I believe it's Lagos. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, listening to his music at full volume in my car, like blaring volume. Uh, and then he walks in and I'm yeah, going to fit him and he's going to sing in my costume. Like yeah. that brings you joy. Oh, yeah. Is costume designing, is there an expectation because you're so phenomenal at it that you are also great at styling someone? Mm. Or is there is the art different? Totally different. I'm terrible at styling people. No, I'm not terrible. (laughs) You know, it's a different kind of a thing. When you're styling someone, you're actually working with that person. Okay. And they are going to live with that forever. Right. So there's a Mm -hmm. lot more at stake for them to be on a red carpet, you know, with a crooked zipper. Right. Yeah, yeah. Then if I put a crooked zipper on a character, I'm ecstatic. I'm like, (laughs) yes. Do you know what that means? (laughs) It's less pressure, probably. Less pressure, but you're creating a character that's supposed to be uh, somebody you can look at their costume and say something about who they are in this story. Yeah. So it's hard to create that story with personalities because they build them. They build them. Sometimes they're very, very fake. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes they're built on, you know, illusion. And you have to understand the illusion and respect the illusion. Right, right. 
You know, so you got to be really gifted to be a good stylist because yeah. you're working with a person's life. Oh, man. I mean, I put in a lot on it, but it's true. But it's true. When you really put in that perspective, yeah, you're going to live with this forever. The photos are going to live forever. This yes, is representing you, not the character. You're not going to go on and do another character in another and Correct. another you. Exactly. This is you. This is what you get. <laughs> this, this is, is it. it. This is it. <laughs> wow. That's why it's I, hard to be in front of that camera. Oh, yeah. So do you w- want to still act again ever? Yes. <laughs> live out the dream. I want to live like a, you know, a Hollywood starlet. <laughs> but then I'd have to starve. And then I'd have to. Yeah. It's too much. It's okay. We I'm like where really we're at. okay where yeah. I am. <laughs> Is there anyone in particular, anyone's story that you wish you could bring to life and oh, create this them. costume design for? Lots of them. Anne Lowe, mm-hmm. who designed Jack Bouvier's, Jackie Onassis, mm-hmm. Jackie Kennedy. Ooh. Mm-hmm. She designed her wedding dress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was a designer in the 40s, 50s that it has an amazing story. And so I would love to tell her story for sure. That is awesome. I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Just Thank don't forget you. about us. You know, little folks out here. Just are you, you are not a little folk. L- listen, Look, I'm on your podcast. Listen, you're not still, on mine. Well, it's a pleasure and it's an honor to be sitting here with you. And just for you to give us insight and share your experience in such a an incredible career. You've brought so many characters to life that we have fallen in love with that Mm. have changed how we view things. Mm. And you are a big reason of that. And I just want you to know, I'm I'm sure you hear it, but we love you. We appreciate you. And thank you for bringing everything to life and allowing us to feel for that character at that moment, at that time, and just make it so nostalgic for us. So Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank I you. appreciate you saying that of too. Of course. Of course. Thank you.